Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome to Utopia. Hey, hey, happy holidays, everybody. Good to be with you. Appreciate you downloading this podcast, the Utopia Football Podcast. Uh, been on a little few-day hiatus uh, in the uh, in the wake and the aftermath of the Texans' second victory of the year over the Titans, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Of course, this is a mailbag episode as well. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com is our email address as we welcome you in. Recording the day after Christmas with uh, the Hall of Famer John McClain. I am Sean Pendergast. Great to be with you. One half of Payne and Pendergast. And, of course, John is our senior Texans columnist for SportsRadio610.com and GalleriesSports.com. John, how are you viewing this Texans win over the Titans? Did you view it as a an early Christmas present, or is this just going to make it all that much more stressful to try to land the first overall pick, or both? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate you. You're a genius. You picked the Texans to win. I didn't, and of course they did. And they're capable of winning out. Winning out. They've beaten Jacksonville nine in a row, including this season. Trevor Lawrence has had not had a great game against him in those last 70s, 14 touchdown passes and one interception. But they're capable of winning at home, and then they're capable of beating the Colts. But I think Jacksonville is on a roll. Jacksonville, even though the game doesn't have a bearing on whether they win the AFC South, that'll come down to the last game. They want to keep their momentum going, and they'll come in and give the Texans everything they got, and they ought to win. You know, they're trying to close in on a division title. And then Indianapolis, they've gone Nick Foles. I'll bet you Foles plays better than Matt Ryan. 
you know he's going to play better than Sam Ellinger. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Colts beat him. I could go either way. I do want him to get that first pick. I was thinking today, say they get the second pick. Do you think the Jets wish they had not won a game at the end of the year so they could have gotten the first pick over the Jaguars oh. and taken Trevor Lawrence and left Zach Wilson to Jacksonville? Uh, yeah, I mean, and that that example couldn't be playing out any worse. You know, it's not like Trevor Lawrence has been good and shown signs of being great, and Zach Wilson is just a tick or two behind him. Zach Wilson's name is being mentioned alongside Ryan Leaf and Jamarcus Russell right now, John. I think it's a, it's a, it's, I think it's almost a done deal. He's not back next year as the Jets' quarterback. That, that team is ripe now with that roster to go get a Jimmy Garoppolo or a bridge guy or somebody and, and, and try to win 10 games next year, more so than try to nurture along Zach Wilson, who shows zero signs of progress. I'm with you. This was, this Titans game was weird for me. This was the first game this year where I was, I would say completely ambivalent to whether or not the Texans won or lost. Like I've been rooting for them in all these games, even though I know that the best thing for them is to get the first overall pick. I just there's something about rooting against my team I'm just not capable of doing. It's, except I found myself getting very close to that with this Titans game, and now that that now that that race for the number one overall pick is you know it's a, it's a half game separates the two teams, um, them and the Bears, the Texans and the Bears. I, I I really probably I'll probably straddle the line and just stay neutral and watch these last two games as opposed to getting emotionally invested in them. I guess just for the benefit of the audience we should lay out what the situation is with the Texans draft-wise right now. And some of this, we're recording this before the Monday Night Football game tonight, which includes the Indianapolis Colts, who are, like the Texans, um, they're, they're, uh, they've got a tie on their schedule. The, the, mathematically, the Texans could still end up tied with the Colts if the Colts lose out and the Texans win out. The Colts right now, I believe, have the sixth pick in the draft. The Texans can finish no worse than sixth overall in the draft. That's the that that's the lowest they would be picking with their own pick because there's them, the Bears, and there's four teams that have four wins right now. There's only two games left in the year, and the Texans only have two wins. Their worst-case scenario is winding up in a tiebreaker with the Colts for the fifth or the sixth pick. So it's going to be a top-five pick in all likelihood. If they lose one more game, it's guaranteed that they'll be picking in the top two. And the team to keep an eye on for the number one overall pick is the Bears. The Bears are the only three-win team. The Texans have two wins. If they both finish with three wins, then the, the, the Bears are going to finish with a worse record because of that tie with the Colts. The Bears' last two games are at Detroit and home for Minnesota. So I think those are two tough games. I mean, those are both games that the Bears are going to be underdogs in. I think they're perfectly capable of upsetting Detroit, who's a schizophrenic team right now, lost to the Panthers this week. And who knows how the Vikings are going to be treating that game in week 18, John, you know, depending on the standings, would they be resting guys or not? We know the bears won't be resting guys. They're going to be playing their guys and trying to win. Presumably I'm with you. I still feel pretty good that the Texans are going to wind up with that first overall pick, but these games have some juice now, all of a sudden these last couple of weeks from that standpoint. After the way they played Dallas against city and then beat the Titans when the Titans are in a must win game, if they won the last two to finish with a three game, Winning streak, I think uh, people would be fired up, more fired up about the offseason, the draft, the free agency, because they will think they've turned the corner. But if the Bears end up with a number one pick, you know, the odds are they're not going to take Jalen Carter or or uh, Will Anderson Jr., even though they're the top 
defensive tackle and top pass rusher. They need offensive weapons. They need skill position players. So they would probably trade to a team that needed a quarterback. I would hate to think the Texans would have to give up a pick to move up and swap spots with the Bears to get a quarterback like Bryce Young or be in a bidding war with other teams. With three teams in the AFC South are desperate for quarterbacks. And so you want to make sure that you've got that top pick where nobody can trade ahead of you. You know, what if you want Bryce Young and they take him and you end up in a situation like Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson? You never forgive yourself. And, of course, the Texans want to win out. Players want to win out. Coaches want to win out. But, uh, boy, when you're as desperate as they are for a franchise quarterback, if you're going to be bad, be all the way bad. Well, John, think about what it costs to move up one spot that high in the draft to get a quarterback, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, the the bears moving up from three to two and trading a bunch of picks, probably most famously the, the RG three trade where, um, where uh, Washington moved up a, a few spots, multiple first round picks to get to the, to the two hole there. And that's where the rubber meets the road, where these teams are like, no, we got to win. We got to win. You brought up the jets example a little bit earlier, them winning their way out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. And I think it's a great example where, yeah, okay, you want to win, but then if you wind up in a spot where you're having to trade up one spot to get your guy, probably first-round pick or multiple first-round picks, certainly multiple picks, to move up just one spot, if someone came up to Nick Casario in Week 18 and said, hey, we'll give you a first and a second-round pick to lose this game this week, he would go, oh, hell yeah, I don't need to win this game. Yes, give me the – because that's what you're doing, essentially. If If you're winning your way out of a draft slot – where you desperately need a quarterback like the Texans do, then those wins are going to cost you picks is essentially what it boils down to. You left out Trey Lance last year. 49ers gave up two ones to get him. Yep. Then they swapped ones. And right now, if he's healthy and if you think Brock Purdy's 3-0 and and I keep seeing these stats, Brock Purdy and Dan Marino, Brock Purdy and Brett Favre, and maybe his star will fall. But right now, they're not going to have Garoppolo. He'll be unrestricted and will go where he can get the best deal. But they'll have a healthy Trey Lance and Brock Purdy going into his second year. So at least that's a positive problem. You don't have to draft a quarterback up the top of the first round. But, boy, if you got a chance to do it, do it. You get that quarterback. That's what Kyle Shanahan thought he needed, and he paid dearly to get Trey Lance, and now he's got a chance to go to the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. With Mr. Irrelevant, Irrelevant, (laughs) who has become Mr. Relevant. Yeah, no no doubt, no doubt. Um, I guess, John, the other question before we get into the mailbag. Well, in fact, this question is in the mailbag, so I'll save it about Lovey Smith and his future. Um, and what a winning streak might mean to that. We'll get to that. I guess as far as the other storylines coming out of the Titans game, that was pretty cool to see. Three turnovers caused in the fourth quarter of that game, all caused by a rookie on defense. You had the Jake Hansen strip fumble on Derrick Henry, of all people, although he's had fumbling issues of late, I guess. But uh, the Derrick Henry fumble where the Titans were driving for what would have been a touchdown that would have made it a two-score game. Jake Hansen causes that turnover, and the Texans turn that into a field goal to tighten up the margin. Jonathan Grenard fell on it. But you got Hansen causing that one. Christian Harris with the interception 
to nearly ice the game. And then Jalen Petrie with the interception on the Hail Mary to close things out. That was pretty cool to see a bunch of rookies stepping up in that spot. It was. I think people realize the kind of talent they've got on that side of the ball. Nobody's given up on Kenyon Green. Uh, the best rookie they had was, to me, Damian Pierce, offensive rookie of the year, Jalen Petrie, defensive rookie of the year. And and Derek Stingley didn't play bad. He just didn't play it. He wasn't put in a position to cover receivers and man coverage like Sauce Gardner. Yeah, no, that's – and. And that's that's why I need to see a different scheme next year. I want to see the best out of Derek Stingley. So let, let's get into the mailbag questions, John. If you want to email the uh, if you want to email the mailbag episode, it's really easy to do. Mailbag at gmail.com. John and I do a handful of questions that you guys email in. You've been doing a great job of late. We got some good ones for today. We've only got two games left in the season, um, so um, so let's uh, let's keep this baby going here. All right, let's start off with uh, frequent emailer Charles Honeycutt. I'm going to start off with this one because it's about Lovey. What are the chances of Lovey keeping his job after Saturday's win against the Titans? I feel like if they keep him, they need to bring in an OC and assure him he will take Lovey's job one day. Okay, so the OC needs to be a coach in waiting, I guess, according to Charles. I guess, John, just to broaden that question a little bit, as you point out, these are two winnable games for the Texans. If Lovey Smith is closing out the season with near wins over the Cowboys and the Chiefs and then the three actual wins over division opponents to go 4-1-1 and in the division, is that enough for him to keep his job? I think uh, that'll be up to Nick Casario. Casario and Lovey get along well, I'm told, behind the scenes. And, you know, Lovey doesn't make a lot of bad game day moves, clock management. When he does something like punting on fourth and one at midfield, that's not because he's a bad coach making bad decisions, like a lot of clock management issues. Robert Sala has them. Brandon Staley has them. That's just a strategic thing, whether you agree with him or not. But I think if they went out, they're going to keep him. I don't think that the victory over the Titan has anything to do because they lose these last two. I think he's gone. You Nobody ever is named a head coach in waiting. It's not Kelvin Sampson and his son where it's in his contract. And they know what they'd have to do if they bring Lovey back. They need to fire Pep Hamilton, get a proven coordinator and play caller. And to do that, knowing Lovey could be fired another year, you're going to have to give a coach a whole lot of money and a long-term contract. Yeah, my, my feeling on it, and I know there's sequencing issues with this because they're going to need to make a decision on Lovey before they make decisions on quarterbacks for next year or um, before they decide, are they going to draft one? Are they going to sign one in free agency? Are they going to wait till 2024? Whatever. Having the first overall pick will certainly provide more clarity because they control what they do in the draft. And they don't have to worry about somebody jumping ahead of them to take their guy if they have a guy. And I don't know who Nick likes, if it's CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or any of these guys for that matter. But so there's sequencing issues. I guess, John, at the end of the day, I don't want to wake up on May 1st after all the stuff's taking place. Coaching decision, free agency, draft, I don't want to wake up on May 1st and have Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud as the quarterback of this team and have Lovey Smith as the head coach. I just don't want you know, that. that. That wouldn't bother me in the least bit. You know, there's a lot of defensive coordinators that have great quarterbacks. Buffalo's got one. you got to get a good offensive coordinator, a good play caller, and a good quarterback coach. And it doesn't matter who the head coach is because that guy's going to run the offense like Pep Hamilton does, and Pep's done a terrible job. And he's got to go. I don't think Lovey will be back because I don't think they're going to win out. But it's not going to be – I don't think it would be fair to him to win the last three 
considering the injuries they have and play well enough to win the two before that and make him the second consecutive one and done. But there's a lot of people feel like you do that they need an offensive coach if they're going to draft a quarterback first overall. And there's some pretty good defensive coordinators with quarterbacks like Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and Tom Brady. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models. Like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yeah, I'm not saying it can't work by doing it that way, but I'm saying, like, if I had a choice, if you're asking me which way I would do it, I would say young, progressive, offensive head coach, marry him to a young quarterback, and then let's see what those two do together. I, I, I get it that it can work any number of ways. I understand there's no hard and fast rules, but I we've seen that way work a lot this season with, you know, Dayball and Daniel Jones, Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins isn't a young quarterback necessarily, but I do think he's a quarterback that needed an offensive head coach after all those years with Mike Zimmer, um, you know, Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow. Um, and I know I'm missing other examples and I know there's examples of it not working too. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, probably the biggest one, Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson's an older quarterback. I get, there's no perfect way to do it, but if I were to just, come up with a game plan that just without names attached to them, I would want young quarterback and offensively progressive thinking offensive head coach. But the, you and I will have plenty of weeks and weeks to debate and discuss that um, as the, as January is upon us here. All right. Um, Jose uh, emails in Jose Fraga emails in is Nick Casario ever going to use Patriots connections for something useful like getting Dante Scarnecchia to be the Texans O-line coach, they could surely pay him enough to unretire. Um, I guess John, How just stupid is that? Give me a break. They already tried that. He said, no, yeah. he's not coming out of retirement. Did they try to get him out of retirement here? Yeah, it's never come out, but they did last year. Wow. Okay. I didn't, John, that's, uh, that's breaking news out. to me. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll tell you off the air how I know it. Okay, gotcha. Oh, gotcha. But that's a nice little now, nugget if right they there. Didn't, if they did not make him the offer, yeah. they checked him out to yep. see if he would be interested in coming out of retirement for a second time. Yeah. Um, how different do you think things would look with Dante Scarnecchi as the offensive line coach? I don't, I don't know. He's one of the all-time best. Um, I have no idea. They could have hired Mike Munchak. Mike Munchak is one of the best, and he's not even coaching this season. Wow, he's not? No. Okay. He was in Denver. Denver yeah. decided they wanted somebody else, and Mike decided to get his knees done. Didn't Bill want Mike? Bill O'Brien tried to hire Munchak as his first offensive line coach in 2014 when he went to Pittsburgh. Yep, that's what I thought. Okay, well, that's a good segue, John, into our next question, and this is from uh, Harold in Sugarland. says, 
What, in your opinion, was the best offensive line in team history? And given how much draft equity is invested in this O-line, what needs to happen for this group to reach that level? Personnel and coaching answers work for me. Um, so, Bill, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Go, go Brian had one in which only one player, right guard Brandon Brooks, missed a game. Chris Myers was a center. He had Brandon Brooks, Wade Smith, Dwayne Brown, and uh, – who was a seventh round pick that Nate, not Nate Newton, Derek, Newton? Derek, Derek Newton. And actually, and Wade wasn't on, that was Ben Jones played left guard. Ben on that Jones. Team. Okay. Yep. You're right. And they only had one guy miss a game and that was Brandon books. Got sick at Buffalo and he had his line intact that whole year. I, so do you think that's the best offensive line in the history of the team? I do. Okay. Across the board. Better, better than Dwayne Brown, Wade Smith, Chris Myers, Mike Brizel and Eric Winston. Well, Brandon Brooks was a whole lot better than Mike Brizel, who wasn't very good at all. Eric was okay. Dwayne, of course, was a Pro Bowl left tackle. And uh, Wade Wade would have been about a little bit better than Ben Jones. And Chris was the center on both those teams. But there was a huge discrepancy at right guard. Yeah. And uh, with uh, Brooks and Brizel. Well, I hope Wade doesn't hear this podcast, John. He's going to come after you guns a-blazing when he hears that. Well, I'll say that he was better at left guard, but overall, I don't think that was a better offensive line. Interesting. He didn't stay healthy as much either. Brizel had two surgeries on his foot. He couldn't move like he – and he was a free agent. And uh, so the only difference would have been left guard, right guard, and right tackle. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yeah, but I mean, th- three of those guys went to the Pro Bowl, though, John. It, it, Myers, Wade Smith, and Dwayne Brown all went to the Pro Bowl, like in 11 or 12. I can't remember what year it was. I mean, it was a pretty good, that's a pretty good line. It was a pretty good line. Yeah. You just asked me what I thought was the yeah. best, and I don't put a lot of stock in the Pro Bowls, to tell you yeah. the truth. Um, so the EJ question, Watt made the Pro Bowl this year and he missed what seven or eight games? Yeah, he's legitimately a beast though. In the games that he plays, he's a legitimate beast. And plus, aren't they playing like tiddlywinks in mini golf or they something? Are, but instead to of, be voted, yeah. still, it's not where you're playing, it's what you got voted, right? Right, you got voted as a starter in the Pro Bowl. And I think it's ridiculous that you miss almost half the season and get voted. And I don't care what your name is. So, John, then Harold's question is uh, his follow up to that was, what does this group need to do to get to that level? So if your gold standard for Texans offensive lines was Dwayne Brown, Ben Jones, Chris Myers, uh, Brandon Brooks and Derek Newton, you've got two pretty good tackles and Laramie to really good tackle and Laramie Tunsil and then Titus Howard has been good this year as well. The interior is a problem, but you hope Kenyon Green makes some advancements in year two. So you got center and right guard you got to worry about, and is George Warhop going to be the head coach? So in your mind, how close is this group with some tweaks to being equal to or better than the group you talked about? This offensive line's gone four games in a row without giving up a sack. Didn't give one up against um, Dallas or Cleveland with Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, the Driscoll ran out of bounds, which was his fault for the sack two games ago. And Mills was sacked Sunday because he held the ball way too long. So the linemen have gone four games in a row without giving up a sack. And even though it's not reflected in the statistics. And I think they need a new center. You can get a veteran center. Teams don't like paying 
free agent. So I would say tight end and center mm-hmm. are two positions that I look for Casario to target in free agency. And um, and A.J. Can I watched A.J. Can They moved Jeffrey Simmons back and forth. And I watched Can handle him. And they were doubling him, of course, when he was on the other side. And they were down to Justin McRae. So they need to make sure to re-sign We'll see. Titus Howard will be in his fifth year, and they picked up his fifth year option, right? Nineteen. He did. Yep. He'll he'll be in. He and Laramie so, are both in contract years next year. Both of them will be at tackle. Kenyon Graham be left guard. They need a new center, and if they can upgrade over AJ Can, who started six years at Jacksonville before he came here with George Warhop, go ahead and do it. But I don't have a problem if Can's back at right guard. All those guys aren't going to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Um, all right. Next uh, next question. Uh, this is from uh, frequent emailer Joe Q. Um, I'm sympathetic to the idea that Mike Vrabel is a really good coach, but how did he not have Malik Willis ready to play? Malik and Vrabel look really bad compared to Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy. What do you think about the coaching job Vrabel's doing this year in Tennessee, John? No, no, no offense, but that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Vrabel's yeah. a defensive coach. He's not the offensive coordinator and a quarterback coach. That's like blaming Lovey Smith for Davis Mills or Kyle Allen screwing up. And uh, Malik Willis can't play. That's why he wasn't ready to play. He can't <laughs> throw the ball. He's not, he's not an NFL passer at this point. He might be in the future. He was drafted in the third round. They uh, Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator, they did everything they could do. He just can't throw the ball. And Vrabel is a hell of a coach. I mean, he had home field home field advantage last year. He's been to the championship game. He said he has four starting offensive linemen out. Imagine where the Texans would be if they were missing four starting offensive linemen. Yeah. And so I think Vrabel has done a hell of a job. Okay, the follow-up from Joe is if, if Baker is more of a rhetorical question than anything else, but I think it's funny. Um highlighting the Rams destroying the Broncos uh, on Christmas Day. If Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Russell Wilson, can we agree that nobody knows anything about this bleeping game? <laughs> great point. The game before, uh, he was awful. You know, he had that great debut. He was awful in the second game, and then he looked great uh, against the Broncos. And mm-hmm. it's curious about where he'll be. Will he be with the fourth team, or will he – Resign as the backup to Matthew Stafford, waiting till Stafford decides to walk away. Because if you're if you are with a good quarterback coach with a system that fits what you do, and you everything is perfect for you, to me, unless you're really desperate for money, don't go where the money is. Stay where you can maximize your opportunity to be a regular starter. And that might be spending a couple of years with Sean McVay and either get elevated or your contract expires and you go somewhere else where they play the kind of system that fits your strengths. The money thing with Baker is interesting to me, John, because he gave up some money to facilitate the trade to Carolina before the season. He gave up a few million bucks. He's kind of betting on himself. So on the one hand, you would say, okay, well, Baker, the behavior that he's shown is that money is not the end all to him. Like he wants to get into a productive situation. The flip side of that is he just lost out on a few million bucks because the the Panthers decided to move on from him. And he's now with the Rams. Does he feel like he needs to, does he feel like he needs to recoup some of the, you know, three, four, five million or whatever it was that he gave up? 
I'm with you. I think Baker's still at a stage of his career where he needs to be more about the long play than about just the year-to-year thing because he could still he could still find his way back into being a starting quarterback. Geno Smith has recalibrated everything for me, John. <laughs> like when I look at Geno Smith this year, I'm like, all right, I am not going to fully punt on anybody whose floor is below average. You know, like I I would punt on horrible court. Like I'm ready to punt on Zach Wilson and punt him over to the USFL. Like I he may just very well suck and be a guy that teammates don't like and fans don't like and things like that. Baker's while Baker has some personality quirks, I'll say, I do think his floor is probably still one that's salvageable. Don't you? One of the reasons he could afford to take that pay cut because he made so much money doing his house commercials. Yeah. Progressive. He's funny on those. And, um, and plus, when he was the first pick, I believe he got twenty million that year. That was the that's Signing what they bonus. give the first picks today. Yeah, and uh, I I can't remember. I guess he's married because he had his wife or his girlfriend in those commercials. He is, and she had to help take care of the house. Right, and I'm sure he'd like to go someplace where he could start doing commercials again. But remember, just two years ago, he helped them win the division and beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Right. And and they thought everything was going to be great, and then it fell apart. It's like Sam Darnold. Guys that are highly rated, like Zach Wilson, it wasn't just the Jets where people said, oh, he's a second or third round talent like Malik Willis. No, everybody. Mm-hmm. Thought he was a first round talent, a high first round talent. And when guys bomb out, it makes me think more about the system, the coach, and I'm not talking about the head coach necessarily, whoever's coaching him and calling the plays, and he needs to go somewhere else. Like the Jets have drafted so many quarterbacks high. Every general manager comes in there and drafts a new quarterback. So far, they've all bobbed out. And Geno Smith, I don't even know who's coaching him, but whoever it is, Pete Carroll stays out of it because he's a defensive coach. They're doing a great job. They are. They are. All right, John, let's keep this moving here. Johnny on the north side says, are you surprised Deion Sanders is as good of a head coach as he is? I am. And maybe a lot of that has to do with recruiting. He had his son's a great prospect. Mm-hmm. Robert Brazil who went to Jackson State and watches all their games and goes to a lot of their practices. He, he told me that his kid was going to be great. And boy, he's right. Now that he's gone to Colorado, We'll see more of him. And I think being at a, can't say big time program, it's not anymore, but he should help them do a better job of recruiting. I kept thinking his goal was to go to Florida State and they don't have an opening. And I'm guessing if he does well in Colorado, he's not going to spend the rest of his career there. But I'm really surprised. I also thought he's got so many things going on. Maybe he wouldn't be as devoted as he needed to be, but he's done a hell of a job. Yeah, um, he has. John, the environment in 2022 feels tailor-made for Deion Sanders, where there's basically free agency in college football and guys can get paid. Uh, you know, like it, it, if if so, if someone said, give me a player, if someone had said before the NIL rules and the transfer portal rules were created, like tell me what player from back in the day you think would make a great coach, a wild card name that would make a great coach in this environment, I, my answer might have been Deion Sanders because of – he, nobody marketed himself better as a collegian than Deion Sanders with primetime and everything else. He was a machine back then. I never forget it. several scouts I know real well told me when they went to his practices, Dow Hardy practiced, 
And when they would have players doing certain drills, he would cut in line do, to do more of the drills. And when I thought, I thought, okay, he's a showman and he's a promoter, but if he's as talented as everybody says, and he's got that kind of work ethic, he's got a chance to go places. Absolutely. Um, John, last one here, and I'm actually bringing this one up in the midst of the um, in the midst of news that just broke that Nathaniel Hackett, according to Tom Pelissero, has been fired by the Denver Broncos in the wake of the Christmas Shocking. Day mass- in the wake of the Christmas Day massacre yesterday in Los Angeles. Nathaniel Hackett is gone. John, can you think of a more overwhelmed, overmatched first year head coach? in recent history than Nathaniel Hackett. I know there have been one and dones and I know urban Meyer probably is a candidate for maybe the worst coaching hire ever. I didn't see urban Meyer as being overwhelmed as much as I did. I just don't think he respected the game at all. Um, But Nathaniel Hackett was a, he was a bad, like B A D capital size 72 font, bad head coach. Another one I could think of is Jim Tom Sula, a line coach who was oh, yeah. in San Francisco, and he was awful. But the thing about Hackett, and this didn't come out till he started failing early, and he failed immediately. He was overwhelmed on clock management, on personnel decisions. They said the Broncos hired him thinking that they could get Aaron Rodgers to come to Denver because the two of them are close. And and that certainly backfired. Money's not an issue for the Walmart owners. And I can't wait to see how much they have to pay. And considering how many draft choices they gave up for Russell Wilson, who's going to be willing to go there? But it's going to have to be somebody with a long-term contract. And heck, it'll be like McAdoo and some of these other guys who were successful and I'm sorry, he didn't even call plays. Yeah. You know, I'm leery of guys who are offensive coordinators don't call plays. Now, Kevin O'Connell's making it work in Minnesota, even though Sean McVay called the plays. But I don't know if we'll ever see Hackett anything more than maybe a quarterback coach because his reputation, deserved or not, is that he's an awful coach. And he may not be an awful coach. He just was ill-suited to be a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, and I know Minnesota's 10-3 and three or 11-3 and three or whatever they are. I'm pumping the brain. Like they, some of these wins they had this year, like a 61-yard field goal. At the, they've won like – they're 11-3 and three and like nine of their wins are by one score. Like I, I just feel like it's – He's winning. Kevin O'Connell's doing a good job, but I'm, I'm, uh, you know, and I know you're not putting him in Canton or anything like that, but uh, uh, it's, but it's a good example of what you're talking about about pl- a guy who didn't call plays, showing that he can at least be the overseer of a of a good offense. Well, so, yeah, and he also took over. He had Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen yep. and Dalvin Cook. He had yep. the skill positions were set with talented players and a talented quarterback. Kirk Cousins hadn't had problems throwing touchdown passes and for a lot of yards. He just had trouble winning big games. Yep. Um, so along those lines, John, we'll throw the Broncos in here because this particular emailer did. Last question we'll do. Shelby in Needville says, would you rather be, let's play, he said, let's play a little game, or she, could be a she, Shelby. Um, let's play a little game of would you rather be, given the whole scenario, draft capital, cap space, current QB situation, coaching situation, would you rather be the Texans or, and, and Shelby lists like five or six teams. So we'll just rapid fire these. Let's start with the Broncos because we just talked about Nathaniel Hackett. Texans. 
You'd rather be the Texans and the Broncos right now. Broncos gave up two ones, two twos, two starters, and a good sub. And uh, and they've got a really good defense. But by the time that offense gets good, most of those defense players will be gone or retired. They got a really good defense, but Russell Wilson's suckiness made them a seller at the trade deadline. They traded Bradley Chubb. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but statistically, yeah, it's a good defense. All right, here are the other teams, John. Would you rather be the Texans or the Colts? Oh, boy. Uh, both of them need quarterbacks. Uh, one needs a head coach. One might be. I'd rather be the Texans because – the McNairs stay out of the – they don't do things like Jim Irsay, make impulsive decisions at 1 in the morning, tell them to bench Matt Ryan and play Sam Ellinger. There's just uh, – I would rather be the Texans than the Colts. Would you rather be the Texans or the Titans? I'd rather be the Titans because they have a great defense and they have a hell of a running back. Are you confident in them hiring the right general manager? Uh um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Andy Adams strunk hired uh, Mike Reinfeld, Rustin Webster, and actually Bud hired Mike Reinfeld, but she hired Rustin Webster, and then she hired uh, Robinson, uh, John Robinson, and John was really good. So I would say yes. Yeah. I have confidence she'll hire a good GM. I think that one comes down to how do you feel about Nick Casario? Because that's the big thing right now. The Titans they need a GM. How do you, you know? Do you feel Casario is going to be the guy to to replenish the roster and get the quarterback situation right? All right? A few more, John. This is a fun game. I like this. Would you rather be the Texans or the Jaguars? Jaguars because I got a. a a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, who is a generational talent, the best to come into the NFL since Andrew Luck in 2012. And a generational quarterback is one from the time he's a freshman. Everybody says when he comes out, he's going to be the first overall pick. Yeah, I remember Jim Harbaugh said when Andrew was a freshman, whatever year he comes out, he'll be a first overall pick. Yeah, the, the they're one good draft away from owning this division for a little while. I think if, if this is if the Trevor Lawrence we've seen the last month is Trevor Lawrence now, then then they're one good draft away from really taking a stranglehold. I think on this division, All right, a they did more. a good job in free agency too. Was Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, yeah, tight end England. Yeah, that doesn't always work, and it's working for them right now. You're absolutely right. Um, all right, there's three more that this particular emailer has given us. We did the Broncos already. Would you rather be the Texans or the Arizona Cardinals? Oh, boy, they got Kyler Murray, and he's hurt. They got Watts 33. Hopkins had one catch on Sunday night for four yards. Um, I think the Texans, because of their young talent, Yep. And I like what Nick Casario's done in the draft and where they are cap-wise. I would take the Texans over the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, the potential for the first overall pick and the fact that you still have kind of a blank canvas when it comes to the coaching situation here, if you fire Lovey, is a really enticing thing, I think. All right, the last two, John. Would you? This is a good one. Would you rather be the Texans or the Cleveland Browns? Boy, the Browns have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. You got Watson at quarterback. Uh, I'd rather be the Browns. I think I would too. But the fact that you have to think about it a little bit says a lot about the Deshaun Watson trade right now. You know, well, I, was, like, I was thinking about where they play and the weather, like they had some yeah. Christmas Day, how bad it how bad it was. Did you see those fans behind the bench 
screaming for him to sign their NDAs and holding up. Yes, it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, that was funny. It was hilarious. Uh, all right, last one. Would you rather be the Texans or the Jets? Uh, well, the Jets are at 500 already. They need a quarterback. I don't think Mike White's long-term answer for them. Uh, oh, boy, they've been worse than the – They've not had a streak like the Texans had under Brian for O'Brien winning division. I think I'd take the Texans over the Jets. I had to think about that one because I think Robert Sala is a good coach. I think I that's too. I think I think him winning seven games. I've not gotten to watch much Jets football this year just because I'm busy on Sundays. Um doing Texan stuff. So I sit down and watch that game on Thursday. And obviously that was a bad game to watch if you're forming impressions of a team. But I'm watching that game. I'm going, how did they win seven games this year? Defense. Defense and more defense. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Can you imagine if Casario used the first pick in the draft on Jalen Carter, Mm -hmm. best defensive tackle to come out for years, and then used the next one on a big-time linebacker to play with Christian Harris uh, or another pass rusher, uh, like the kid from Texas Tech, this defense would be really, really good, but they still wouldn't have the quarterback. No, they wouldn't. And the problem is in this division, especially with Jacksonville still being an ascending team, but a young team with a young quarterback and the Colts and the Titans both looking like they're regressing. You could fart around with that approach and go win seven or eight games next year. And then you're not nearly in a position to get one of the top, top quarterbacks in that 2024 draft. So it's right. It's it, it's John, it's going to be a, it's going to be a franchise altering next couple of weeks here for the Texans. It really is. You know, if they, they mess around and win a couple games and the bears lose and the, you know, the Texans wind up hell, they could, John, they could wind up picking fourth or fifth in this draft or sixth even right now. Yeah. Right there where Justin Herbert and Tua Tungvaluwa and Josh Allen were picked. They, they were, they were, but I, I guess or that's, you could trade up for Patrick Holmes and Sean Watson you or could, trade but, in back into the bottom of the first round what for a Lamar waste. Jackson. What a waste. There's a to, lot of guys. What a waste to have to move up from six to like two to get a quarterback because you messed around yes, and beat the Colts. Be. Oh, that would be horrible. Um, but and you don't want to see that franchise quarterback. You want to go to another division team, right? Yeah, the Colts are in dire need, and they're right up there picking near where you are right now. So um, as of right now, the two will play each other in Week 18. So some of this will it'll all oh, work itself. That out. could be a big game, John. For that the could wrong be reason. The, yeah, yeah. No, that could be the uh, <laughs> be the, the Stroud Bowl. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, John, what do you got going on on all your various platforms? I've got – I'm writing uh, everything on sportsradio610.com where I'll be on – to see, this gets posted. Uh, well, I'll probably be off at the time this gets posted. I'm on two mornings a week taking your place. You And then I – when do you come back? Next week? Wednesday. Wednesday this oh, week. Oh, you'll be back on Wednesday. Yep. And uh, But anyway, I'm writing a thing about what we've been talking about, the what-ifs with winning compared to losing. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to do a column on uh, gallerysports.com about the playoffs, the MVP race, Super Bowl teams, as we get really down to the important parts of this part of this season. Yep. Important at the top end for the playoff race, important at the bottom end for the Texans for the race for the number one pick. Um, all right. We Big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting the podcast out to all you guys. We appreciate Figgy getting it done during this holiday season and all year long, getting the, Utopia football podcast to you guys 
onto your phones or your computers or however however you consume this podcast. Of course, we appreciate you sharing this with friends who are Texan fans or NFL fans in general. Um, download, subscribe, hit that subscribe button. If you're compelled to give us a review on whatever platform you get the podcast, do that. If you think we deserve five stars, give it to us, by God. It helps the podcast out. Uh, we'll be back a little later this week to preview the Jacksonville Jaguars coming to town. The race for the Texans to extend their winning streak over the Jags to uh, 10 games. The Jags in a race for the AFC South, trying to keep some momentum going into that deciding game in Week 18 against the Tennessee Titans. So for the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We appreciate you tuning in and downloading the Utopia Football Podcast. We'll see you later this week for our Week 17 preview. Happy, happy holidays, everybody. 